everybody, welcome back to 10 Weeks. This week, it's week six, and we are sitting down with Ryan Ang. Yeah, Ryan's from Singapore, and in Singapore, they have a mandatory military draft. So Ryan shared a story about how he was involved in the military for two years before coming to the British Columbia and then finally to UCLA. Yeah, super interesting guy. He is a political science major, and so he has a lot to offer on the different politics from all those different countries. So yeah, super, super interesting conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy. Yeah, enjoy. Okay, welcome on, Ryan. What's up? How you doing? <laughs> Pretty good. Um, it's a bright, beautiful day. Yeah. It is good, yeah. Happy Perfect. Halloween. Yeah, it's really hot, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. like, you think it's fall weather and like... No, it's 80 degrees out there, yeah. Yeah. Is climate change a real thing? I don't know. <laughs> That's for another podcast. Oh, boy. <laughs> So, Ryan, you're from Singapore, correct? Yeah. So, how did you end up here in UCLA? Yeah, uh, that's actually a really complicated long story. Uh, Perfect. (laughs) After I finished, so I went to Canada to finish the last year of my high school. Okay. Um, So, I finished my grade 12 there. um, And then I came here. Initially, I, I didn't know whether... I guess I didn't know whether UCL was for me, so I went to Columbia College because mm-hmm. I wanted to do screenwriting and stuff like that. Um, but somehow I was really interested in politics too. I think, interestingly, I think Americans are more obsessed about politics than people I've met from any other uh, other country. Mm-hmm. Really? Um, Americans talk about politics pretty frequently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've never met a people group who are so ideologically opposed. Um, interestingly, Dartmouth College published an article a couple years ago saying how students who identify as Democrats don't usually like to room with people who are Republicans and then vice versa. Uh, so it's really interesting. People are like, there's this whole idea of like love Trump's hate, but then people are not very inclined to hear opposing opinions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is fascinating. Um, but yeah, I found myself here because I got myself into politics, political science. Um, and then I, yeah, it was either coming to UCLA or going to Columbia. Okay. Um, wow. That's a big decision. So I graduated as a valedictorian of my community college, which was nearby in Santa Monica. Oh, what? Oh, Santa Monica Community College? Yeah. Nice. Um, and also, either I could stay and continue to grow my roots here um, and impact the city, or I would move out. Yeah. And I decided to stay, and that's how I found myself at UCLA. Mm. Nice. Interesting. Yeah. So you said you were also interested in screenwriting for a little bit as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do... Sp- I do write stuff every now and then, yeah. not very often right now, um, just cause I think that I could make a lot more change in politics. Not saying that you can't make change in screenwriting, like right, good yeah. scripts and good movies can impact people. Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's definitely that sort of like yeah. common theme right there. Yeah, a good friend of mine is actually a screenwriter. We talked to her last year mm-hmm. on the podcast, even. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, both both sort of are different avenues of affecting change and sort of bringing your views into the wider world, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, America, America is an interesting place. Um, 
2020 would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a couple months away. All the best. Wow. The entire decade's over. <laughs> I know. Oh, man. So, kind of backtracking a bit, you said you were in Canada for a bit. That was, so you finished your, um, pretty much your entire elementary school, middle school, and most of high school in Singapore, correct? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, but when I was 16, my dad became a bankrupt. Um, I came home from school and I found a bunch of stickers all over the house, appliances and furniture. Um, so I had to drop out from school and then I had to work to pay for my own um, subsistence, um, to pay mm-hmm. for my own like stuff and to help support the family. Did that for two and a half years and then I went to the military. Because in mm-hmm. Singapore, the military is mandatory. Is, yeah. I was just mm-hmm. going to ask, yeah. Yeah, so I did that for another two years before I went to Canada, where half my family are, to finish the rest of my high school and then came down here. Hmm, okay. Yeah. How was that experience in the military? Yeah, um, I think it's been, it was really helpful um, in the sense that um, being in the military, they try to place, hmm. you have to work with a multiplicity of people um, and usually, I'll say that the bunkmates you get, I feel like usually the bunkmates you get are people who are very different from you. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole idea is that if you can work with people who are very different from you, you can work with anyone. Mm. Yeah. And they do that on purpose too, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm aware that there's a lot of countries that have this mandatory draft. Yeah. I, I believe Israel, or mm-hmm. does Israel have it? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah. And do you feel like this is a good thing for young people that, you know, take a, you know, small, tan- like a tangent, two-year tangent off of their track and then come back into the society? Do you feel like it's a good thing to have that or really just like push a straight path for everyone? Um, I do think that two years might be at times too long for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think having like six months is actually really helpful. Because um, the first six months is actually where you like learn most of the things. Um, it, I would say that personally for me, like being in the military has helped me uh, appreciate um, the things I have a lot more, um, the opportunities that I get, um, and yeah, like being being just the very fact that I've seen people who come from military families. Yeah, who are much more appreciative of their country mm. and what they have in their country, and that's important for Singapore as well because it's it's a pretty small country compared to yeah yeah yeah. Interesting fact: like the the Israeli army helped to set up the Singapore army. Oh really? I didn't know that. Hmm. Do you know why? Um. <clears throat> yeah, I think Singapore was looking for. Um, for assistance in setting up a draft and the IDF proof itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Singapore is way younger than most other countries. It's only less than 60 years old, I believe. Yeah. Um, and by then, Israel was in assistance for about like 20 years already. Um, and they had a strong military, as seen in their various warfares and how they have won. <laughs> um, so, my guess is that Singapore looked to it and were like, hey, like we could input that system into our country and what? Yeah. I'm just gonna backtrack a little bit. You said the, the first six months is really like where you where you learn the most. I'm assuming that's 
it's a lot of training and like starting to like change your whole I mean lifestyle right yeah into the into a militaristic sort of way do yeah you, like can you go into like, more specifics on what how that was and like what did you learn yeah um, so especially like the first three to six months like the first three months itself they put you this thing tr- called the basic military training also known as a BMT for sh- in abbreviation mm-hmm. um, so they put you in an offshore island oh, um, really <laughs> you don't get connection to your phones uh, maybe once a week you get to call your parents. Right. Um, it's like a real boot camp. You know? yeah. yeah. They shave all your heads so everyone looks the same. Really? Um, and you go to bed at like 11, max 11 p.m., wake up fi- at 5 a.m., go to 5 to 10 mile runs. Um, and the hardest, yeah, like, then you go for jungle trainings where like, they place you in the jungle for two weeks and you're supposed to survive on your own. They give you some rations for that. Um, but like literally, you're, you're supposed to work with people to ensure your own survival. Obviously, they have like emergency medical teams just in case, yeah. but the goal is to make you like as tough as possible. Yeah. Um, and I think that was a defining experience for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like the hardest part was definitely like keeping the rooms clean. Um, <laughs> Yeah, ac- there's not, this not the jungle training, not the. Actually, no, like actually, because <laughs> what what the sergeants and commanders would do right. is that they'll randomly come in at any time during the day, mm-hmm. and then they'll check your room, and everyone has to stand in tension, and then they'll put their singles on your bed frame, and then they'll slide it across the bed frame, and if there's a single ounce of dust, the whole platoon is punished. You go for like 10 mile runs or like you clean the whole room again. Oh, and then if they want to be really extra, they move your cupboard and then you check behind for dust. What? Wow. Or they turn off the fans and then you check above the fan for dust. So every single aspect of the room has to be clean. Why is that? The whole idea is that if, you, if you're disciplined enough to keep your room tidy, then you'll be, you'll be disciplined enough in all other aspects. Huh. Because there's this whole idea that like how you wake up and the environment that you wake up in mm-hmm. affects your day. Yeah, so you're probably in there just constantly cleaning your, your beds and everything like that. Yeah, so it's been an OCD thing now. Like every time yeah. I wake up, I have to make my bed. Yeah. yeah. That does sort of like really change. I mean, if you have to do that for two years straight, you know, it's like, yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's an, actually a book like, written by, I think, like Vice Admiral Admiral of the United States is it's literally I think the title is called Make Your Bed. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like last year or two years ago, it was a New York Times bestseller. Interesting. Hmm. There's this quote that my friend always says it's like how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah. So like the amount of effort that you put into like you know, like you said, making your bed, like doing the basic like morning routine, going to the gym and like working as hard is how you like Applied that same type of work ethic, work ethic, to like the way that you pursue relationships or yeah, academics, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. So yeah, that's definitely a good mantra to live by, even though as as like strict and you know, yeah, anal as it can be sometimes. Um, but yeah, that's interesting that they they do something like that. Yeah. It was so, definitely really tough in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah. if like there's one guy who's just studying. <clears throat> Oh yeah, yeah, because you're relying on them too, right? Yeah, yeah. 
But the guy screwed for the night mm. when the commanders aren't around. Right. There's this whole thing called blanket party where you wrap the guy in a blanket and things happen to him after. <laughs> <laughs> these are like, these are cadets like going against one another? Yeah, yeah. It's bad, but. <laughs> Were you ever in that situation? No. Okay. But okay. I definitely <laughs> have had bang mates. <laughs> oh, man. So are there women as well in this draft or is it just men? Um, yeah, there is a woman in the draft, interestingly. Um, I'm not sure why. Um, but there are people who, there are women who volunteer to join the draft. Mm. Okay, yeah. I believe in Israel it's mandatory for men and women. Yeah. yeah. But women, women in Israel too don't tend to serve in the same capacity as men. Right. And they serve a shorter term in Israel too, I believe. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So in high school, like, were you involved with anything? Like, what do you do in most of your free time? I'm just curious to see, like. Yeah, are you talking about Singapore high school and Canadian yeah, high school? Yeah, I feel like that'd be a good comparison to. Yeah, um, Singapore high school is incredibly rigorous. Mm-hmm. Um, like, everyone is expected to have co-curricular have activities beyond the classroom mm-hmm. um, so everyone has to join a club and that's um, really just ingrained into Asian culture as well yeah um, so you go to school at like I went to a Catholic school so that's interesting because there's mass every morning oh yeah um, and then so yeah like you start class at 8am and goes all the way to like 3pm 2 to 3pm and then after you have activities from like 3.30 all the way to night Mm. Yeah, so as part of this thing called a national cadet corps, which is kind of like being in the army but different. Mm. So like it's to train you to be the army. So by the time I got into the army, it was way easier. So it's mm. like pre-training. Yeah. 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 Like, so we went to shooting range. Mm. We we knew all the marches. We knew all the commands. Huh. Um, but it was tough too. Like especially when you got like. 13 or 14 and you're like, yeah, you don't want to listen yeah. to anyone telling you these things um, at the time I absolutely hated it but after like I appreciated it mm-hmm. yeah and was that you said that's an extracurricular sort of thing it's not yeah. part of school like it, the, the school administer, administers it but yeah. like isn't really a part of the school yeah yeah I mean there, and then there are other people depending there are people who join rugby <coughs> rugby is a huge thing there not so rugby is like a Singapore version of like football. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. People prefer rugby over there. Um, people play a lot of soccer there. Um, and canoeing, canoeing is a huge thing in Singapore. Huh, really? Yeah. Competitive canoeing is like big. Just there's just like a lot of rivers over there and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a lot of reservoirs and there to do, do canoeing. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Why is there so much emphasis on, like? putting people into the draft and like the military in Singapore yeah I think a part of it is to remind them of how good of, of the life they're living um, I think like especially in any first world nation um, people don't really understand like how much they have to put mm-hmm. things in perspective like yeah in America and like in Singapore, we on average we are so rich that we have houses for our cars. 
It's called garage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You go to a place like the West Bank or you go to any African countries, like they don't have garage. Like they don't even have cars probably sometimes. Like I remember when I was in the West Bank this summer, um, and like the conditions were like pretty terrible for like local Palestinians, and it was interesting because I, I I turned on my phone later that night. And people are talking about the Georgia abortion law. Um, and like abortion is an important debate. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like the local Palestinians, they're not even thinking of abortion because all they care about, like people who are people who are less fortunate, all they care about is like a roof over their head and food on the table. Yeah. It's only yeah. after you have your basic needs met that you're able to think about the concept of human rights. Yeah. It doesn't occur to you until you already have everything. Yeah, yeah. Basic survival just sort of yeah. comes first. Yeah. So I think being in the army has definitely, like being in the military really helps inculcate in people how much how privileged they are. Yeah, and you see a lot of perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. It adds a layer of humility. Yeah. For sure. It's <clears throat> quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not to say that you can't learn all these other like. Right that you can't develop these perspectives if you're not in the army. But I think that the army was instrumental in helping me develop it a bit quicker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And would you say this applies to like a lot of different young young men and women that go into this program? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is, is Singapore involved with any like, <clears throat> is there military involved at all in Southeast Asia? I mean, they do training exercises with other militaries, like Taiwan and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. They have sent troops in the past to places in Afghanistan, but not really. Mm -hmm. Singapore tries to be friends with everyone. Um, It's a really tiny country. Honestly, if it was invaded, it would probably last only like three days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's it's such an important port and such an important um, economic part for so many American companies. Mm-hmm. Um, that like a country like America would not let you go down right yeah. mm-hmm. and Singapore the city itself has seen a lot of growth in the past like 30-40 years correct yeah and why do you uh, did, did you live in the city when you uh, in Singapore yeah so interestingly <coughs> Singapore is an island city state country so mm-hmm. like if you feel like a <laughs> yeah like hashtag overachievers like literally yeah like there's nothing more Asian than uh, <laughs> like so if you fill out a form like they ask you for a state it's like Singapore comma Singapore oh, <laughs> yeah that's kind of interesting um, that I think the city itself don't call me on this but I think it's more in Los Angeles city um, it takes maybe an hour maximum to get from one end of the city to the other wow um, and that's the longest stretch mm-hmm. um, yeah um Sorry, what's your question again? Pardon me. <laughs> Just like, um, I think I asked like where in the city you lived and uh, asked about like the progress that Singapore's made. Oh, yeah. It's very like technologically pretty advanced to yeah, say yeah. the least, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think economists have always been trying to figure it out just because it's unprecedented. Um, I would like to suggest though that 
it has done so well precisely because the government had invest in the beginning in its inception have invested a huge amount of money into education mm. and healthcare. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, so Singapore functions interestingly Singapore functions um it has the freest market in the world according to most index but it also functions almost like having like a social education and social healthcare system. Um, I think that only works in a place that's really tiny, like Singapore. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but in in its inception, like, so, like, there's this thing called the Central Central Provident Fund in Singapore, where every month when workers get their pay, um, the companies, like the government, will take ten percent of it and put it into a, a fund. Like it's, it's not taxing you, it's taking it away from you to put it to retirement fund. Okay. So it forces you to save. Yeah. And then the employer will also contribute 10% <coughs> into it. So you like 20% of your pay into it. Fine. Mm. Oh, okay. So it's to make sure yeah. that when you grow old and when you get sick, you have money to draw upon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also in the beginning, when they poured a lot of the taxes into education, and then the remainder of it, they poured it into investing in companies, investing mm. in infrastructure elsewhere. That's Got why Singapore it. is so rich. Yeah, there's just constant like recycling back into the economy and things like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And the whole idea is to develop Singaporeans into um, competitive global citizens. That's why everyone in Singapore is bilingual too. Mm. Um, and the two biggest languages as well. Yeah. Yeah. English and Chinese. Yeah. All the languages. So all the classes are taught in English, but then you take two hours of le- two to three hours of lessons a day based on your ethnicity. So mm-hmm. if you're Chin- if you're Chinese, you learn English for everything. Math yeah. is taught in English. Science is taught in English. But you take two to three hours of Mandarin a day. Um, if you're Jewish, maybe you, you learn Hebrew mm-hmm. for two two to three hours a day, but you also have English. The whole idea is to make sure that you maintain your unique cultural identity and be able to connect to your roots while being able to communicate with others who are different from you. Hmm. That's a really cool That's idea. That's so progressive, yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Such a great idea. You know? And then the government <coughs> also does, this is very controversial, Americans would hate it, but it places a quota on each district on the percentage of race that can live in a district. So it wants to ensure that your neighbors are people who look different from you. Hmm. So I grew up around people who look different from me. Yeah. Um, were there racial tensions at times? Sometimes, but you learn how to work through that. And then when I came to like America, like I was shocked that racial segregation here is a huge thing and it's a huge problem. Yeah. Um, like I was in Tennessee like three weeks ago and my friends there have never met a single Jewish person. They've never met a single Asian before. And they've grown up around people who look basically like them and who all like go to church. Yeah. Yeah. Literally the first question that I got there before like people asked my name was, where do you go to church? Huh. I had a huge culture shock. Yeah. America is definitely an interesting place. <coughs> yeah. yeah. And there, I'm assuming there is like a 
pretty high diversity in yeah. Singapore, and there's like a bunch. It's just sort of like uh, it's, a central sort yeah. of part of Southeast Asia, you know. Yeah, there's this thing called Racial Harmony Day in Singapore too. Yeah. Where every year, like, kids from school like would dress in their traditional costumes, mm. and you bring the ethnic food to school, and you share it with other people. What? What? That's a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> Yeah, and it's really cool. Like so, like it's just like celebrating everybody's backgrounds. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really cool. Like and then like understanding other people' intric- intricacies and their religion as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely something that other countries can learn from what Singapore has in place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it sounds like they just pay a lot of attention to people's backgrounds and races and things. Whereas, I mean, here it's kind of like a, a don't touch subject. You know, it's like yeah, you know, it's like a really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really there's a lot of tension surrounding that especially here but I, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that in Singapore it's just like they just focus it and they're like alright well everybody just sort of yeah. needs to get along yeah I think Singapore has managed like not to say that my country is perfect or anything but it definitely has a lot of flaws in it but it's made, managed to strike a pretty good balance in terms of encouraging people to exercise their individualism Mm-hmm. while maintaining some sort of collective identity whether mm-hmm. to a committee or to the country yeah. yeah so how we're getting sort of a sense of how life was in uh, Singapore itself but how was that transition from Singapore to um, Canada and I guess like was there a culture shock there as well um, I think well being in Canada wasn't that big of culture shock. There was definitely some culture shock initially in the sense that I saw more se- segregation even in Canada. Mm-hmm. I went to Vancouver, British Columbia. Okay. Um, but Canadians seem to be, this sounds like I'm bashing Americans, but <laughs> Canadians seem to be much more attentive um, and sensitive to um, topics on race and they seem much more in or the general Canadians I've met mm. okay um, and they seem much more informed about the things that are happening globally yeah um, just because I think there's a large influx of immigrants in Canada even now because um, they're always seeking to increase their population um, but then the biggest culture shock was definitely in America Mm. Um, specifically I, here or just in general in general like this sounds terrible <laughs> but I have never faced racism until I came to America um, and then the other thing that was really interesting to me was there's this phrase that people often say like oh yeah like you totally deserve that like when they get things and like mm. I totally deserve this and like there's almost a form of entitlement um, among many Americans I've met here not to say that that's entirely a bad thing but it's definitely it seems like a privileged thing to mm. say because um, like I think my army experience has informed me that like no one is entitled to anything right yeah mm. yeah so on the grounds of like these types of social programs and like getting people to get along with some one another, is that something that you'd like to encourage 
like you said, you're interested in politics. Is that something you'd like to push forward? Because I feel like it's definitely a, we have a long way to go, but I feel like we're heading in the right direction and there's a lot of people that are aware of the problems that are at hand and are open-minded towards the opportunity to change them. Yeah. Is that something that you'd like to pursue? Yeah, um, that's definitely something I'm really interested in. Um, I do think that change, people often think of change coming from the top down. Right. But I think the most change comes from face-to-face conversations mm-hmm. from the bottom up. Um, like, like, like something as small as like, or something as elementary as the way that you were raised by your parents or like the people that you're surrounded with at school. Like yeah. That could influence the way that you see the world as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. I've definitely seen like, like friends, I have an evangelical friend who is very Republican and like really anti-abortion and she is incredible. She's best friends with this Jewish guy who is very liberal and pro-abortion mm-hmm. and they are always able to talk things out about their disagreements because they first start with a common ground. There's always a common ground. Uh, <coughs> it's just viewing things through different lenses. Um, I think Americans, or like people in general, not just Americans, especially in this pol- increasingly polarizing society, people, I would definitely encourage people to just sit down and talk. Yeah. Um, even in conflicts with your friends. Oftentimes you realize that like, you have, if you have beef with your friends, if you keep it in, you just keep thinking about it and you just get angrier. Right. And people are like always talk like there's this culture of like talking smack about one another behind their backs. But then people don't think about it. Like when you're pointing fingers at someone, there are three fingers pointing back at you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like if you have beef with your friends and you actually think of him or her as a friend, tell him or her. Mm-hmm. If he or she like doesn't want to accept it, then like was there really a friendship in the beginning yeah you can't be friends with everyone there's this whole idea that we can be friends with everyone it's, mm-hmm. it's not possible yeah it's just a matter of seeing that even though we disagree on some things that's okay yeah and that we may agree on some other things yeah and that's okay as well yeah 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 cool so have you are you involved with any like political organizations here on campus yeah, um, I do a lot. I used to be in USAC last year, mm-hmm. um, but now I'm really involved in Hillel. Oh, oh interesting. Um, I do a lot of um, quote unquote Israeli advocacy work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm cautious about using the word pro Israel mm-hmm. just because it, at this moment in time, it connotates anti Palestinian. Um, right. I have been to Israel proper and the West Bank three times this year. Oh, wow. um, it's interesting because I think a lot of people have views on it, but also a lot of people have never been there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, When you're on the ground in both sides, you realize that the issue is not, the issues are much more grave right. than one would realize um, are there issues with some of the Israeli government policies 
probably, but should they? I think that there's a disproportion. It seems to me that there's a disproportionate amount of flag given to Israel. Like you see Israel more in the news than any other country. Mm-hmm. Um, you see them talk about more often than you see what than you see news about what China China is doing to the Muslims and locking them up in internment camps. You see. Yeah, you see, you see more news about Israel than what Saudi Arabia is doing to Yemen, what Myanmar is doing to Rohingya Muslims, like what the Buddhists are doing to Muslims, and so on and so forth. There's a lot of issues in the world, but then if you are Jewish and all people talk about is Israel and Palestine, you at times might feel like it's problematic. It's like, why are you focusing so, so much on the Jewish people? Um, it's almost seemingly at times anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's so much focus on it yeah. in the first place. Interesting. Well, I mean, I'm actually, coincidentally, I'm going to Israel in over winter break for my birthright trip. Nice! Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Through Hillel, uh, <laughs> obviously. I just came from Hillel, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to go. And I've never been, and I'm going with a bunch of my good friends and things like that. Yeah. And I guess you, you have been there so many times. What do you recommend I should do? What, like, what's what are some of the things you think I should focus on? Should, should I visit? Should I? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I often tell my friends that the trip is any trip that you take is temporary, mm. but the relationships that you form right. are concrete and forever. Mm-hmm. So what I recommend for you to do there is spend time, quality time with your friends. You're gonna have a lot of fun. You're probably gonna stay up to like 3 a.m. every day. <laughs> but those are the memories that you're gonna look back on and they're gonna be like defining memories for you. Yeah. In your college experience and in, even in your life. Yeah. Cause you're gonna go back to Israel maybe in the future and be like, oh yeah, I remember this place and this is where I had so much, such a great time with who and who and who. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I am really excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's going to be blessed. <laughs> yeah. So what compelled you as a Catholic, right? I'm a Christian. Christian? Okay, sorry. What compelled you as a Christian to, you know, get involved with an Israeli or a Jewish um, organization on campus and actually travel to Israel? Yeah. Um, interestingly, like, when I was growing up in Singapore, um, one of my closest friends was Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was definitely the one that got me much more interested in Jewish culture um, and the country of Israel I was never a Christian growing up so my my quote unquote support of Israel and its existence derived came before I was a Christian um, a lot of Christians in America naturally support Israel, but my reasons for supporting Israel is not based on theology. Um, I think to go back on it, like it's a whole human connection. She got me more interested when I came here. Um, I dated an Israeli American, um, and then half my friends were Jewish, mm-hmm. um, and they got me much more informed. But obviously, I was also questioning things, so I felt I needed to go. Um, so I went. I went in January this year. Yeah. And then I went again in May. And then I went again in August. Wow. So I've been to Israel three times. Yeah. <laughs> and the first time was in this past January. Yeah. So you yeah. got hooked. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, um, and yeah, being there and being on the ground and realizing that a lot of the narratives that people espouse is not as black and white as it seems. It's so much easier to see things from 30,000 feet up than it is to yeah. actually get on the ground and yeah. Like, yeah. talk to these people and hear from their perspectives, like the people who actually live in this yeah. country. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's easy to, to it's easy to to blame the Palestinian suffering on like mm-hmm. Jewish Israelis. Um, it's it's not untrue that the Palestinians are suffering, but then like you you can go to places like there's this place called Ramallah in the West Bank, and you see huge mansions, and you know that like the United Nations have poured in billions of dollars into the West Bank, and you're like. Wait, why are there mentions here and why are the local Palestinians suffering? Mm-hmm. You start to think about it, it doesn't make sense. Like and like the guy who's like the head of Palestinian Authority right now, Mahmoud Abbas, like they call it a democracy, but there hasn't been elections in a long time and he's worth like hundreds of millions of dollars while his people are suffering. Mm. And like they grow up surrounded by rhetoric that is the Israelis that fought? Yeah, and it's 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 sad too, cause like there's there's a fence and it's dividing the two, but the fence is also necessary, cause there have been terrorist incidents and mm. like if you're an Israeli citizen, both Jewish and Arab, you want to feel safe. Right. Um, so you have a fence, but people can still go through a fence if they want to. Like the the, the army and the cops just will be alerted, but. It's sad because the fans kind of like create a divisive barrier as well. Yeah. And Israelis are not exposed to Palestinians and Palestinians are not exposed to Israelis. So they can never really have conversations. Yeah. And but I've met local Palestinians who have met Israelis and their lives have been transformed. They realize that they have been fed lies all their lives and they realize that oh like we can have dialogue and actually try to work through this. Yeah. 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 Mm. So again, it's all about the dialogue. Yeah, yeah. That's the way we're gonna solve an issue. Yeah. Mm. And that sort of um, (coughs) sort of extends from your growing up in Singapore, and you're just constantly exposed to different people with different backgrounds. Yeah. You're always having those conversations in school, at home, and yeah, and everywhere. Yeah, and even like, yeah, people, especially in America, like, like with topic of like Islamophobia. A lot of people like yeah. are very skeptical about Islam and like Muslims and but the thing is like a lot of people have also never read the Quran. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you have never read the Quran and never really had a conversation with a Muslim friend about things, then why are you justify and forming an opinion of their beliefs and saying that their religion is different from what they believe in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all we really need conversations. Um, yeah. Right. And this is a big motivation for our podcast as well to get these types of conversations out there and make sure people hear things from a perspective of somebody who's lived in Singapore, who's a Christian, who's helping out um, at Hello, a Jewish organization on campus. Like, really hear, like, like you said, get that human connection out there. Um, so, yeah, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah. So, are you looking forward? Are you going to Israel sometime soon in the future as well? I might go again in December. We'll see what happens. Okay. Um, and what are you doing specifically when you travel to these? Are you guys doing like outreach programs? 
volunteer work? It's usually either outreach or educational programs. Okay. Um, my focus at, through my role and so I'm on this board called Burns for Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of stuff with them in terms of especially Asian American outreach. Um, if you look at it, Jewish Americans and Asian Americans actually share a lot in common in the sense that both uh, <laughs> yeah, we got yeah, yeah both are like <laughs> both are like unseen minorities in America. Yeah. Cause when 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 early Jews came to America and when early Asians came to America, like they didn't really have a lot. Um, they were often less privileged than the white Americans. So what did they do? They placed a lot of emphasis on education. So mm-hmm. a lot of them went to STEM, <coughs> law, and business, and. The, like the whole idea of a half Jewish mom and an Asian Tiger mom, like and <laughs> yeah, emphasis on education. Both yeah. culture plays a huge emphasis on education. Why? Yeah. yeah. Because they want the children to succeed, right. so they can eventually voice their concerns. And the thing is, by the time Jewish Americans and Asian Americans succeed and they voice their concerns, people are like, "Bro, they are no longer minorities because they are doing so well." Right. But like, they're still minorities. Right. Yeah. I hate to use the term, but it's like what they call the mi- model minority. Yeah. And it's like, look, you're doing so well. Why do you need help? Yeah. You know. Yeah, and like if you look at the concentration of like Jewish Americans mm. in America, they tend to be concentrated in California and New York. Yep. But you look at the demographics of Asian Americans in America, they also live in California and New York. <laughs> <laughs> that but is interesting. I had never really thought about those parallels. Yeah. Yeah. And Asian Americans are the fastest growing minority group in the United States. Right, they are. Yes. Eventually. I'm, I'm glad to see, like, um, growing up, you never really, for me at least, living in the United States, you never see. Um, there's not much Asian representation, not only in the media, but also in politics. Yeah. But just in the past, like, two years, on the topic of Singapore, they had, like, Crazy Rich Asians, and that movie that yeah. was widely successful. Yeah. Now we have Andrew Yang representing. Asian population in yeah. America. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Sanders. <laughs> yeah, I think it's we're making good strides to, you know, promote this type of representation for people that, you know, look like me and like talk like me and think like me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's a good thing. And hopefully in the future we'll have more of that voice. Yeah. yeah. I think Andrew Yang being in in front of all the crowd is, is a good thing. It right. really encourages more <laughs> Asian Americans to get involved in politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, like, Bernie Sanders, like, being Jewish himself, like, I think really encourages more Jewish students to be involved in politics as well. Politics is an intrinsic part of our lives, especially in America. Like, as I said in the beginning, like, Americans talk about politics more than anything else. Mm -hmm. It's on your TV, like, 24-7. Oh, yeah. That's why I don't watch TV. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, there are a lot... I think with almost any group, like... There are a lot more commonalities than one might imagine. Right. And mm-hmm. all you have to do is usually start from a common ground. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. There's there's always common ground between people. I mean, we're all human. We all go through the same emotions and and stories. There's such like yeah. common tropes between widely diverse people and like completely yeah. different backgrounds and things like that. There's always some sort of common story of I don't yeah. know what it could be, but yeah. Everyone has an interesting story to tell. It's true. Exactly. That's yeah. also why we're doing the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, say for example, you're running for office sometime in the future. 
it may be kind of difficult to, you know, kind of promote this idea of, guys, we need to slow down and, like, consider each person's ideas when really in a debate you get, like, 30 seconds to say what you have to say. So how would you, like, go about promoting? Because I'm all on board for this. Like, I enjoy... I want to hear somebody out before I voice my concerns, or yeah. like voice my opinions. Maybe they have a better point than I do. Yeah, you, know, you never know. So, how would you go about you know promoting this type of ideal to people? I think all starts with like being. I think a lot of times people focus too much on the winning aspect of things, um, but forgetting that like even if you gain, if you didn't acquire a certain opportunity there are still other opportunities for you mm-hmm. um, and like my mentor from church like he he had an interview with Goldman Sachs and he was telling me how like it was between him and the other guy and before he entered he told the other guy hey I hope you do a bit like I hope you get it and the other guy was just looking at him and it was just like what if what the heck is going on? <laughs> um, it's probably like, what is this mind game going on? <laughs> but the, the, the fact is that we, if we start affirming one another and if we start looking mm-hmm. at each other, stop looking at each other, like competition is great, like friendly competition is great, but toxic competition is when you try to win and then put other people down yeah. and then forget that at, at the core of it, you are just human beings. And I think in, in a political debate, what politicians hopefully need to do is instead of accusing one another, they should be like, yeah, you make a good point, but I see things this way. Yeah. yeah a lot of that has to do with the phrasing as well. Yeah. In, like, in, instead of saying, oh, yeah, that's a crappy idea, you can be like, yeah, I agree with this and that, but I disagree with you on this part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are much more willing to listen to you when you're able to stand with them yeah, yeah. on certain mm-hmm. things and yeah. then after you, you tell them about your yeah. point of view <coughs> yeah it's like yeah I acknowledge this but you have to think about this too yeah yeah that's that's powerful interesting yeah um, wait, well we're almost out of time but I would just like to put in sort of the last uh, question here when you were growing up in in Singapore what is one of the most memorable memories from when you were living there I don't know whether that would be sort of in the military or would it be growing up at home or, or something like that but do you have something in mind at all? Yeah um, I guess going just going back to the team in the beginning growing up around people who look different from me who have different cultures and for me was a really powerful thing um, it influenced my identity in the sense of needing to take a step back a lot of times to listen to other people mm-hmm. um, while developing my own unique I- identity as a human being. Yeah, yeah. It sort of gives you something to take from all these different people around you, you know? Yeah. And then form your own sort of. Yeah, in some say. ways, you're forced. To work with people who are different from you, yeah. and I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, like in America too, like Democrats and Republicans have more in common than they realize. They're just viewing things from different lenses. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, with abortion, both parties care about life. Yeah. But it's how it's how they view it. 
Yeah, one is viewing it from the idea from the lens of needing to save a fetus. The other is viewing it from the lens of needing to ensure that the liberty of the woman is secured. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for sitting down with us. Yeah, yeah. really appreciate it. It's uh, it's incredible to hear somebody else who also appreciates the human connection and actually like you know ever since just simply living in Singapore and being surrounded by this type of culture really build up this type of you know understanding of a true like sincere understanding of what it means to see people who are different from you and yeah. see how they are different and see also how at the core we're all the same yeah yeah, yeah. well thank you Ryan thank you thank you thank you enjoy work right yeah. I will thanks yeah yeah I'm looking forward to it <laughs> Our identities are important, but our humanity is always more important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's always important to remember that. I will. Yeah. <laughs> Wise advice. Wise advice. So why did you, why'd you choose the Riddler?